This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is brought to you by the 30 Days of Self-Care Challenge, a workbook and private podcast audio course. Are you ready to build a daily self-care habit? The 30 Days of Self-Care Challenge contains 30 days of self-care prompts for tired, depleted teachers to refill their tanks and cultivate a daily well-being ritual. In the program, you will get a calendar of self-care prompts and a workbook, as well as a private podcast audio course that will arrive in your podcatchers. And there's also a transcript of the audio for those who like to read as well. In just 15 minutes per day, you can create a new self-care practice that supports your well-being as a person first and a teacher second, because you are so worthy of your own care. Find out more at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash challenge. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hello and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. In this episode, I have got Katrina Burke back on the show. You have probably heard her a couple of times before if you've listened to uh, any of the back catalogue of this show. If you haven't, then I'll pop some links in the show notes to go back and check out the episodes with Katrina from previous seasons. Uh, She is a good friend to the show and today we are talking about finding your leadership sacred ground and this is such an important topic. And let me just say up front, if you've seen the word leadership in the title of this episode and thought to yourself, well, I'm a classroom teacher, I don't have any leadership position, I have no desire to be in a leadership position, don't switch off because there is a lot for you in this episode as well. But of course, It is really geared towards anyone who is in an official leadership role in a school or is aspiring to or is in one of those kind of murky in-between positions that's like one foot in the classroom teacher role, one foot in a kind of volunteer, you know, you don't get any extra pay but you get a lot of extra paperwork kind of positions like the year-level coordinator or the pastoral care leader or the house leader or, you know, one of those kind of volunteer leadership positions. It's the first step on the ladder to leadership roles, perhaps further down your career. So Katrina really specializes in uh, school leaders. She's got a beautiful program for uh, exclusively for deputy principals. It's called The Authentic Leader. Um, I will put a link in the show notes about that. It's an online community of learning and connection exclusively for female deputy principals who want to lead well and live well. And it's a safe space to connect with other women who really understand what you do uh, and a network full of wisdom and warmth where you can get help with managing workload, feeling confident and the day-to-day highs and lows of school leadership. So if you want to hear more about that, I'll pop a link in the show notes for that. And it will also be in the description of this episode. So you can just swipe up in your podcast app and click away and connect with Katrina that way, because that if you're a deputy principal, that one is for you. But this episode, we talk about finding your leadership sacred ground. What does that even mean? how do we find it and why it's so important in schools and in life. And Katrina shares with us the power of really deep self-awareness and also understanding and accepting our shadow sides. And I love that 
I just love that approach. I think it's so important. We talk about the need for self-compassion, which, you know, is a really common theme in this podcast. And what gets in the way of us showing up as the best leaders that we can be? And then at the end of the conversation, we do share some advice for those new and emerging leaders who are straddling that kind of classroom teacher leadership role, you know, first step in the ladder situation. So I think there's something in this episode for everybody. I think it's a brilliant conversation and uh, I hope you enjoy. Here is Katrina Burke talking about Leadership Sacred Ground. Hello, Katrina. Welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Good morning, Ellen. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you back and I'm really excited to talk about leadership with you because I I know you and I, this is something you and I talk about behind the scenes a bit. And I've had a, a number of coaching clients this year who are sort of at various stages in the early part of their school leadership journey. And I, I know that you have this beautiful, authentic leaders model, and we're going to talk about that. But let's start on the topic of leadership sacred ground, which I know is something that you really love. Tell us about what that is and why we need it. Yes, thank you. I do love this idea of sacred ground and to give all all kudos, I guess, to the wonderful Brene Brown, I listened to her in an interview and she was talking about leadership and she was talking about this idea of grounded confidence and people who listen to her will will have heard her use that term before. But in this one particular interview, she let slip this idea of sacred ground and I really connected to that for the people that I work with around leadership. And really, Ellen, to be pretty simple about it, it, it's really the solid ground on which we stand as leaders. And it's where we lead from. It's how we show up. It's what we lean on to show up as the leader that we want to be. It really is at the heart of that authentic leaders model that you mentioned. I've just been reworking that model, actually, and I've, I've changed it around visually so that sacred ground is right at the heart of it. A few years ago, I was listening to a thought leader in the States and he was talking about this idea of leadership as uh, like standing on jello. And I thought, gosh, that's such a good analogy for us in education. And I don't think just leaders in education, to be honest, all of us are standing on jello every day or jelly for us here in Australia because there is that sense of we don't know what's coming, you know, um, each day with the, the humans that turn up in our classrooms as well. So I like that idea of the sense of standing on jello, but I think that quality leaders, we need something a little firmer than that. And that's really why I've started creating this model and really forming up the idea of what sacred ground is. Mm. And I really, I really resonate with that. And because something that's come up a number of times in in coaching sessions this year is that it, basically that idea of it being like jelly of like we, we talk a lot about the the reactive nature often of the roles because you, you can't necessarily plan for the day because you, you don't know what it's going to bring. So, you know, you've you've got a block of time between you know whenever nine thirty and eleven, and you think right, I'll get in and do such and such in that time, and then you know, something happens. Something gets in the way. Something gets in the way and you've you've just got to respond in the moment and you sort of can't, you're not in control of your time in the same way because it is, it is that jelly. I love that analogy. Yeah, it's a good one. 
but but I really resonate with that idea that we need something firmer underneath that to, to keep us going, really, and like you said, to, to show up from. Can you tell us more about how do we find our leadership sacred ground? What is it? You know, we need it, but how do we get it? Mm, that's terrific. So firstly, Ellen, I just want to go back to a couple of, of words that you used. You know, you know I'm a wordsmith. I love language. And I heard you mention react, you know, we can be, we can react to what's going on around us. And then a little later you said, you know, it's about responding. And I think that's the difference with knowing what your sacred ground is. When we've got things coming at us that we don't, you know, we, we don't see coming, knowing what our sacred ground is and, and being able to hold ourselves on that allows us to respond. Otherwise, we are in reactive mode and we're reacting to whatever's there in the moment or whatever, whoever has the loudest voice. And, you know, when I think about this, an analogy I use is if you think about the life buoys out in the, in the deep ocean, you know, they're those kind of metal structures and they have a, a heavy solid base and they get whacked around from every angle by the ocean. They get knocked over, but they always return to upright. And I think that's, a, that's how I think of sacred ground. If we know what ours is, and I'm going to tell you how to get there in a minute, but if we know what it is, then no matter what's whacking us around, we can keep returning to upright. And what I mean by that is we can keep coming back to the leader that we want to be. Mm, we get knocked down, but we get up again. Yeah. <laughs> As I was saying that, I heard that little tune in my head and I thought, oh, gosh. <laughs> Not quite what I was thinking of. We won't see it because I might have to pay royalty fees. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of how do we do that, and I think it's very important, I mentioned that I've been reworking this model of mine, this authentic leader's roadmap, and I've put sacred ground at the centre. Originally when I built it, I kind of had it very linear and that was at the end, but it never sat well with me because I don't think, you know, while this sacred ground is a solid foundation to stand on, I don't think the work's ever done. I think, you know, quality leaders are always reshaping their sacred ground and adding layers to it and, you know, circling back and checking on parts that, um, that they're not sure of or that they've even forgotten about. So maybe what I need to tell you about is what are the parts that contribute to that sacred ground? So then we can talk about a little more about it. Yeah, let's do it. Really, in my mind, what it is, is about, firstly, as I've said to you, knowing who it is you want to show up as. What is the leader? Who is the leader I want to be? What's it going to look like and sound like? And then also this deep sense of self-awareness, knowing what are my strengths? What are my values that I act in alignment with? What are the shadow sides of those strengths and values? Also knowing, you know, what are my habits, the helpful ones and the unhelpful ones? So this is really about knowing myself as a whole person um, so that I can bring that knowledge to my leadership. So it's not about being the perfect person and you don't have to know yourself fully before you step onto your sacred ground. That's why it's ever, ever evolving work. It really is about deep self-awareness and also the practices and tools that help you stay aligned to the values and also not get sucked into those unhelpful habits. Or if you do, because you're human, like all of us, how do I get out of it and be kind to myself about that? Yeah, and I love that it, you know, you, you mentioned the shadow side because you know, so often we we only ever really talk about the good stuff, the, you know, the nice things, the values, the strengths. 
But actually, we do all have some weaknesses and we do all have, you know, like you said, the, the helpful and the unhelpful habits. And we need to kind of acknowledge those. Otherwise, it's the tail wagging the dog. You know, at least if we are aware of them and we can acknowledge them, as you say, we can I'll recognize oh, I'm doing that thing again. And that's, you know, I'll bring myself back to where I want to be. Whereas if we kind of suppress them and pretend like they don't exist because we're trying to be this perfect person, they can they can really take a hold of us, can't they? That's exactly right, Ellen. And so it is about the awareness. And I guess that that how how can you stand on your sacred ground? I'm wondering if you don't know about those shadow sides. And I guess the other part is if you don't kind of almost accept them, because we can waste a lot of time, can't we, trying to get rid of, for want of a better word, our shadow sides. But I tend to think it's energy better spent to say, yeah, I know I have this habit. So let's say I have the strength of one of my top strengths might be love of learning, which it is for many of us in education. But knowing that one of the shadow sides of that is I can get down the rabbit hole of learning, which can prevent me from actually moving on, or I can use my love of learning as a procrastination tool. If I know that about myself, I can just kind of take that as awareness into who I want to be in in all my interactions. Mm, And that's so true. We do just really need to accept it because it's energy better spent and energy is such a, a limited resource for all of us. But it comes back to that Brene Brown approach, really, isn't it? Of wholehearted living and that the gifts of imperfection, really. We're allowed to be imperfect because we are humans and not robots. Yes. And, you know, let's bring that to leadership. You know, who are the leaders that you love and aspire to be like and you want to work with? They're the ones who understand your humanity. They don't expect perfection from you. They they understand that mistakes happen. And I think it's that I really subscribe to that view of better humans make better leaders. And I think those leaders, they've done the work and they keep doing the work on their sacred ground. So therefore, they understand that you're standing on yours as well. You're just as imperfect as they are. Mm, It's very much a personal development journey, isn't it? I mean, we talk so much about professional development in education, but, you know, we really do need that personal development side to go hand in hand with it. Yeah, I think you're right. We're so busy doing the professional side, aren't we, that that this stuff can fall to the bottom of the list. Yeah, yeah, and cuz it is a little bit it's a little bit hard to quantify, you know, it's a, it's not it's not as easy to tick a box and say, "Yep, I I've, I've learned that skill. I went to that workshop." <laughs> um, it's a little bit more invisible, a little bit more intangible, a little bit harder to articulate. And, you know, it's not on a it's not on the Australian professional standards for teachers that we know what our leadership sacred ground is or that we you know we, we understand our shadow side. It's not there. That's true. That's so funny. <laughs> so what would be your suggestion for anyone who's looking to start to cultivate their leadership sacred ground? Where do they start? Mm, it's a great question. I think it's about starting to form up your vision of yourself as a leader. and you know, and make it a real one. What is important to me as I show up in my leadership? What do I, what do, you know, maybe you could break it down to a day or a term or a year. What is it that at the end of this day, I want to walk away being able to say that I I did, you know, in terms of how I interacted with others, in terms of how I, I led the way or I courageously 
showed up and, and that will be different for each person. For some, it might be about sharing voice or opinion and for others, it might be quite the opposite. It might be keeping your own opinion quiet and inviting and encouraging the voices of others. But I think it's really about the first step is the vision of, well, who is it that I want to be as a leader? Then I think the next step is, well, okay, what have I already got in place? So what are my values and my strengths and finding those? And and then, you know, I guess just keeping on peeling the onion, the layers of that. And as you peel back your layers and, and learn about yourself and see what you've already got in place as a leader, then you'll find the spots where you want to grow and build as well. Mm, And, you know, coming back to it at the end of a hard day when you may be feeling like you didn't show up that way, you know, things all went out the window today and I I may be beating myself up about that. Well, actually, no, hang on a minute. Let's let's come back to who do I want to be to remind myself of that vision in, you know, on those hard days. Yes, and that's a, I think that's an important part of the journey, Ellen, that as you say that, that's typically me and probably typically 95% of the people who are listening. We, we have super high expectations of ourselves and, you know, we often tend to think that we're not enough. We don't have enough to be the leader yet or to be, you know, the quality leader. And so what happens is firstly, we become that duck on the water. You know, we're outside, we look calm and confident and pretty cool, but underneath we're madly paddling to do all the things and be all the things to all the people so that no one sees what we believe is there, which is that we're not good enough yet or we're not ready yet or or whatever it is. And so if that is your mindset, if that is one of your unhelpful habits, and I I kind of um, am going to assume that it is for most people, then what I want you to have as part of your your practices that help you stay on your sacred ground is self-compassion because we do that to others. We're great at that, but can we do it to ourselves? Yeah, it's such a big one. It's such a big one in the personal development journey, that self-compassion piece. And because we, you know, and I think we've sort of preempted the next question a little bit, which is totally fine, um, you know, about those things that get in the way of ourselves showing up as the best leaders we can be or showing up as that leader of our vision. And one of them is that that telling ourselves that we're not enough, feeling like we need more learning or we need more certificates or we need some other achievement before we're, we're quote unquote enough to do the job. But actually what you're saying is, no, it's that's one of the things that gets in the way and we need to be able to, you know, yes, hold ourselves to account in areas where we want to grow and have the self-compassion to recognise that we we can do the job. We're not perfect. We're human. We can do the job and keep coming back to those practices that ground us in who we are and who we want to be on the good days and the bad days. That's right, because those bad days are just as important, aren't they, for our growth and continuing to, you know, add layers to that sacred ground. Mm, absolutely. And they're unavoidable. We're go- you know, we're going to have bad days. That's right. And yet I, I find um, with a lot of the people that I, I talk with and I work with, something else they have in common, and I guess I mentioned it with those high expectations, they're very unforgiving towards themselves. With You know, if a mistake is made or, you know, they didn't get it quite the way they wanted to. And when I talk to them about self-compassion, and maybe some of your listeners are, are feeling this at the moment, when I mention self-compassion, we recoil from it. And we think, oh, that's a bit woo-woo. 
or I can't. You know, in fact, one of my clients said to me very really recently, she said, oh, Katrina, I don't know about that. That sounds like a slippery slope of lowering my expectations. Yeah, and the other the other one I've heard is that it, well, that's letting myself off the hook. Yes, classic, exactly the same thing. And so while we, you know, that again, that so I class that as an unhelpful habit, and quite possibly, certainly in my experience, I've had that habit for decades. And so doing the work of deepening that self-awareness, now I know I've got that habit and I'm not going to get rid of it because that's just how it is for me. I do have that habit. But what I've done in building my sacred ground as the leader I want to be is I've got the tools, self-compassion, to deal with it and to know, yeah, here's me in an unhelpful place at the moment. Let me snap myself out of it or, you know, take the time to get out of it. And because the research is very clear, it's not lowering our expectations. It's not letting ourselves off the hook. It's, you know, self-compassion does not mean saying, oh, well, you know, I'm just a hopeless human. I was never going to do any any better and I'll never keep trying. You know, it's, it's not about that at all. It actually very much contributes to our ability to hold ourselves kindly and gently in those moments where we have stuffed up, where we have had a bad day, we didn't respond the way we wanted to. And instead of spiraling into the mindset of, well, I'm I'm terrible and I, I've got to get better. And it's that it's that really punitive self-talk. It's more about saying, okay, yeah, I stuffed up and I feel really terrible about it. You know, really, like really embarrassed or really uncomfortable. I didn't respond in the way I, I wish I had. And now because I have, have accepted that and acknowledged that, now I come back to how do I do better? You know, how do I show up? next time tomorrow when I walk out of the office door in 10 seconds, um, you know, it's really the research is very clear that it actually helps us to show up better because we're being kind to ourselves in the moments when we stuff up and kind is not letting ourselves off the hook, but it is acknowledging that we're humans and we have feelings and we're imperfect. That's right. Exactly right. And again, Alan, to bring it back to leadership, which for me, a big part of leadership is helping others to show up as their best selves. We know that people are more inclined to be themselves and show up as themselves with leaders, with others who create the space for them to be that. If they understand human imperfection and mistakes and can forgive them and accept them, then that's the leader we want to be and that's the leader we want to be around. Mm. And we're often much, it's much easier to give it to others than it is to give it to ourselves. Of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> Which, and that's the work, isn't it? That's the work. That's the work, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So what else gets in the way of us showing up as the best leaders we can be? Yeah, so I think we've touched on that idea of, of self-talk and critical self-talk. But I think what I'd like to just come back around to is that we kind of create our own, I guess we worsen situations in a way. I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. So often people I talk to will say, and, you know, these are incredible women in, you know, school leadership positions of all different levels doing really important work and inspiring those around them. So this is what those around them are thinking of them, that, wow, they're inspiring and they're fabulous and I love working with them. And these terrific women are not thinking that about themselves. And something I've heard a lot of recently is 
them saying to me, I don't feel like I can get my ideas across clearly. I feel like I'm getting flustered or people are looking at me and they don't really know what I'm talking about. And once that seeps in, you know, it becomes self-fulfilling because our brain gets distracted then and tells the story of, I'm not saying this clearly, they're all thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about, they're all wondering what I'm doing here. And so then, therefore, you know, we head into that fight or flight or freeze response. And again, it knocks us off our sacred ground because we're not showing up as the leader we want to be. We've got sucked in and believed our stories. And then kind of biologically or physiologically, that plays into it as well. And there's a whole package going on there. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that that it does actually affect us physiologically as well as psychologically. And the two go hand in hand. You know, we are we are not heads on sticks walking around. <laughs> we have bodies and our bodies, you know, even if we're very often in our heads, not paying much attention to our bodies, but our bodies are picking up signals from, from what our brain is telling us and also feeding us signals. And often it is those stress hormones, the, the fight, flight, freeze reactions yeah, I, and so it is really about that self-awareness, isn't it, of being able to catch ourselves before we go down that rabbit hole of ending up in that self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, that's exactly right. And I'm thinking as we're talking about this, Alan, you know, you asked me, well, what else kind of knocks us off our sacred ground? But, but it all comes back to this, doesn't it? It all comes back to our self-awareness, the stories that we tell ourselves, our self-talk, and our ability to kind of almost coach ourselves through that or be a kind friend to ourselves with all the, our whole package, our whole person. Mm, which is so much easier said than done. <laughs> and that's why right from the start we're very clear this sacred ground, we're always building it. We're always building it and that's okay. Yeah, it's a work in progress and it's supposed to be. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that you mentioned right at the start that this is really, you know, a lot of this is really applicable. It's not, you don't just have to be like a leader. This applies to really everyone in education, a lot of this, because of, you know, the nature of the jobs that we do. And I know there'll be people listening who are not yet in leadership, you know, official leadership positions, but, you know, aspire to be. So whether they're a couple of years into their teaching journey and have, you know, put their hand up for next year to do uh, a kind of, like, you know, those volunteer leadership roles around the school where maybe, you know, you become the house leader or the year level coordinator or those sorts of things where it's leadership, but it's, you know, you're not the deputy principal, you're not the head of curriculum, you're not getting a pay increase yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the kind of kudos that goes with it, you just get a bit more paperwork. So what would you, what would your advice be for those who are really just feeling like they, you know, it's easy in that situation to feel like you're not enough yet because you, you don't even kind of quote unquote have an official leadership role yet, but you really want, you know, you, you're on that journey. It's the beginning of that journey. It's really, really interesting to me because those leaders the, who I guess they're emerging, you know, they're the new and emerging leaders, right, and they, you know, I, I'm really becoming more and more, I guess, conscious and curious about them because they're straddling they've got one foot in the classroom still and one foot dabbling in the leadership journey like you said maybe they're the head of something or the you know the coordinator for something and what I'm 
beginning to, the opinion I'm beginning to form about them is that we we throw them into these positions or, you know, they, they ask for it perhaps. And, but what we don't do, so we give them the responsibility of doing particular things. But what we don't do for those people is we don't give them the craft of leadership. We don't teach them that. And, I, I you know, I talk to these people who are in these roles and something that I know is a real struggle for them is they really grapple with this idea of, well, how do I stay the colleague I was with the teachers that I'm working with on my team when I know that I'm going to be sitting at the leadership table at the end of the day and we're going to be talking about things that I can't bring back. So it's almost this kind of split loyalty business and it really gets in the way for people at the beginning. Mm, What do we do with that? Good one. So I think um, I think at the beginning, you know, I think firstly, let me say this, there's a whole, there's a school and a systemic need there, particularly school to, I think, to work on the craft of leadership with those people. Yeah, and better support those people in those first roles instead of just saying, here's your, you know, your extra responsibilities, good luck. Go forth and do it. See you at the meeting on Thursday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there's work to do there, but what can we do? I think that one of the most important things that people in those roles can do is find some good models around you, some good quality leadership models and watch them. And if you can, be courageous and tap into one of them. It doesn't have to be someone in your school. It might be, that'd be great, but it doesn't have to be. But tap into them almost like a mentor where you can have those conversations. Because I think that a lot of the time, you know, here we go back again to the stories we tell ourselves, they feed into that kind of torn loyalty or that foot in each camp. And and it creates a lot of worry and stress for us. So I think Number one, and I think this applies to everyone, but particularly emerging leaders, find some quality leadership models so you can start creating your vision of who is the leader I want to be. Mm, Absolutely. And if there's nobody in your school, you know, there are places and, you know, there's loads of leadership resources that people could, could turn to, isn't there? Right. That's exactly right. I mean, look what we online is, is incredible. And sometimes, you know, we also learn about what we don't want to be. And that's just as powerful sometimes. It surely is. Yeah, that's right. It's sometimes a a bit of a harder lesson, but it's, it's absolutely necessary too. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's number one, Ellen, is, is find some good models, some quality models to, um, to learn from and to tap into. And, you know, we've talked a lot today about, the stories that we tell ourselves and the way we speak to ourselves and how we can be quite hard on ourselves. And I think particularly when we're beginning, we can be because, I mean, gosh, we're still learning, but we expect, we feel like the story we tell ourselves is everyone around me sees me in this leadership role and they expect me to know everything and be everything straight away. Yeah. And because, and I think this goes across all roles in education as well, because We don't always, and sometimes because there isn't psychological safety, to be honest, but we're not always honest, whether we're a beginning teacher or 20 years in the job or in an emerging leadership role or in a, you know, the principal of the school, we don't always share honestly how we're actually feeling about these things. And this is the privilege that you and I have of talking to to people, you know, from education from all across Australia. We hear the same stories over and over and go, no, you're normal. That's, it's not just you. 
it's not you're not the only one having these thoughts or these you know these stories you're telling yourself or this feeling that you've just got this role and the school didn't really give you any guidelines on how to do it they just said here's the here's the pack of stuff you got to do good luck and I, you know and I'm sort of struggling with that a bit no 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 that you're not the only one it's not just you and so I hope if if you're listening and any of this has resonated with you today know that these experiences you're not alone and you might not feel safe psychologically to share that that's what's going on for you in your school which is totally fair but if you do if you can find someone that you can open up to about that you might find that they say oh me too yes yes and gosh isn't that such a relief and a comfort with the very complex environments we work in where there's not always simple solutions or the or the answer we wish was there or we think should be there yeah very rarely is that the case isn't it that's right and then it's about learning to sit with that discomfort Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just wanted to come back to what you mentioned about being honest and I think you know it's really requiring of us to be vulnerable but maybe for those people who do have a foot in each camp maybe that's the first layer of your you know developing your sacred ground is around when I'm in this situation with my colleagues and I feel like they're pressing me for information or they're wanting me to lob the grenades for them can I be honest about I don't know the answer to that or I don't know the solution to that and kind of and leave almost leave it at that without having to apologize. I mean, I know we've all heard this before. It's a very practical tool saying, I'm not sure about the answer to that. I'll get back to you. But it's important to remind ourselves of that because the story playing in our head is you should know you're a leader, you should be able to answer that. And that's not true. So maybe it's about cultivating the courage and the vulnerability and to have those honest answers of, I don't know, and leaving it there, not having to apologise for that. Well, that's a beautiful place to wrap up. Thank you, Katrina. I mean, this is such a huge topic. We could go on and on and there are, you know, whole libraries full of books written on leadership stuff. But how can people connect with you and find out more? I know you have a beautiful little podcast and you've got some programs for leaders So tell us where people can find you. I think the best place to go, the one-stop shop is katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. You can get a copy of the Authentic Leaders Roadmap there if you would like it. There's a manifesto that goes with that, which is kind of pretty, and you can print it out and stick it on your wall. There's a little webinar there and links to the podcast and anything else that you might need. I think that's the best place to start with. Perfect. And we will put all those, well, that one link, And uh, in the description of this podcast episode and in the show notes on the website too. Thank you so much, Katrina. This has been such a beautiful conversation and a really important one, I think. Agreed. Pleasure. Thank you, Ellen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Katrina. As she mentioned, you can go to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. And if you are a female deputy principal, don't forget Katrina has an online community called The Authentic Leader. And you can find out more about that at katrinaburkecoaching.com.au forward slash work with Katrina. And before you go, I just wanted to share if well-being, school well-being is something that you are already or aspiring to be a leader in your school 
then I would like to invite you to come along to the School Wellbeing Champions Meetup. It's a virtual networking event. There's two of them this term. One's on the 22nd of Feb, the other one's on the 22nd of March. And it's going to be just a Zoom call with fellow School Wellbeing Champions so you can connect and share resources, share what's worked, share the ups and downs of getting school wellbeing programs and staff wellbeing programs started in your school. So you can head to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash wellbeing champion to find out more about that. Again, there's a link in the description of this episode for you. And I'm also holding a workshop on the 7th of March, all about getting staff wellbeing programs started in your school. So there's a networking call. If you just want to come along, chat to others in a similar position to you, If you are right at the start of your wellbeing journey in your school and you want to sort of be a part of kicking that off, come along to the School Wellbeing Champions Workshop, all about how to get school wellbeing programs started in your school. We're going to cover the first steps to getting staff wellbeing initiatives set up, how to get your school leadership team on board, common mistakes that happen with staff wellbeing programs. I'm going to share with you some example activities to get you started and, of course, how to look after yourself as a school wellbeing champion. So that's on Monday, the 7th of March, after school, various time zones, depends what state you're in, and it will be online. And yes, there will be a recording if you can't make it live. Because I know sometimes people have staff meetings and other commitments on. Yes, there'll be a recording if you can't make it live. All right, that's it from me. Head to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash wellbeing champion if you want more info about those events. And as always, remember you are a person first and a teacher second, and you are so worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories, and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher wellbeing and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.